0: Hey, everyone. Are you ready to be fired up? Because I sure am. And today I've got Duane. She's wonderful. You're going to absolutely love her. She is a real estate investor. She's personally done over 2,000 of her own personal real estate investments. She now coaches people from across the country, teaching them how to do it. She's written several ebooks and has a podcast of her own, and she is a rock star. Welcome, Duane. Great to have you. Uh, thanks for having me on, Krista. I've been so excited about this interview. Oh, me too. So if you guys are excited and you want to be fired up, stick around. Let's get you fired up. Financially independent, retire early. If you're a small business, professional or entrepreneur, and you're looking for a way to stand out amongst your competition, then this is the podcast for you. We focus on relevant digital marketing strategies and tools to help you stand out in your industry and become the market leader in your profession. Hey, we don't hold back on this podcast. We say it like it is. And sometimes you may not like what you're hearing, but I guarantee you, you'll know the information given is truly what you need to do to take your business to the next level. So hang tight because you're about to be fired up with me, Krista Mayshore. Okay, so you're here, Dwan, yay. First of all, you, I have to say, are your energy and your attitude and your funness. You are just like the real deal. Oh, and, and thank you. Yeah, so talk talk to us a little bit about your story. I had to, uh,
1: the fun, I had to dye my hair pink. I turned 60 a couple of years ago and I thought, you know what? If I'm ever going to wear crazy hair, now I can just say, well, I'm just like a crazy old lady. Yes. You, know, you just get it. You just see your accent. When you're older, you're eccentric. When you do it when you're young, you're like, oh, what's up with her? But when you're old, you're just like, I'm just eccentric and this is what I have now. So, so I just live my crazy.
0: I love it. Plus, you got the little flamingos in the background. Tell us a little bit about what's going on there. Yeah, so my uh, so my story. So basically, so I turned
1: yeah. And for people that that didn't like live through the eighties, I turned twenty one in nineteen eighty, and I was living in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And I was that girl that was like all in, like the drinking, the drugs, the cocaine, the champagne. Like it was a decade of very decadent. I'm surprised I lived through it. To be honest with you, <laughs> crazy. Oh my god, the amount of drugs and drinking is—it's—it's insane. Uh, but you know, it was the '80s, and we were in Florida, and it just—you know—seemed like the thing to do. Um, so as I got, you know, a little later into my 20s, I got married, had a baby, and so kind of a little bit along the lines of your story. Um, when my husband was eight months old, we unexpectedly split up, and actually, he—he he got put in jail for selling drugs. So I was just like, so I get this phone call at like three in the morning, and was like. It's collect. I'm like, collect from jail? Who would be calling me from collect from jail? I like this. And anyway, it's my ex, (laughs) or it's my, it was currently my husband. And so I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. How are you in jail right now? So I said, you better be happy you stay back there because when you get out, I'm going to kill you. So you're, (laughs) you're safer behind the bars. But anyway, the long and short of it is he was in a band. It was kind of still the 80s, the big hair bands. And and he played out at this nightclub. And the guys were selling drugs backstage. And I really did not, like truly did not know because we had gotten clean, sober, straight. We're going to have kids. We're going to raise a family. And no, no nothing ever again. That was like we drew the line. So um, it was just really hard because I'm trying to deal with attorneys. I'm dealing with this man. And at the time, you know, I still love him. Like, you know,
0: yeah.
1: I didn't stop loving him because I got a phone call. I was mad, like super mad. But I recognized, I just realized like pretty quick on that he was gonna be in for a while. And just all the people, just all the things he was hanging out with, I just didn't want any of that in my life or in my daughter's life. So I just said, you know what? I'm just gonna get divorced. I'm gonna raise this kid, I'm gonna figure it out, and I'm just put on my big girl pants and I'm just going make shit happen. And so she was eight months old when I got that phone call. And really, it was like, I had no money. I had, I wasn't working. I had no car. I mean, I ended up losing my car and my house, everything and foreclosure and repossession. Like It was really like, holy cow, what is happening to me right now? <laughs> but I really just, I hadn't waited till I was 30 to have her. Because I did want to be like the Girl Scout mom and the homeroom mom and the field trip mom. I wanted to do those things. So I thought, well, I either have to get a job and I'm smart enough to know I'm 30 years old. If I get a job, I'll probably have it till I'm 50 because I'll work while she's, while I'm raising her. And I thought, or I could start my own business. And if that doesn't work, I can still get a job. Wow. So I literally just took like this math. And mean, I look back at it now, it's like, oh my God, I can't i started off rehabbing <laughs> it's
0: like, what it's was that amazing business like you have you've done over 2000 um explain that so i started off uh, rehabbing so you know we buy
1: them fix them up and sell them and then i discovered wholesaling. you know you get under contract you sell it to a rehab or a landlord and that's really where i started making it. that's like where the millions started to roll in because you know i would wholesale 50 75, houses every year just bam 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 just like wholesaling houses, like a crazy person,
0: and then, um, exactly what wholesaling is. So, you get you go under contract on a- so you find the homeowner that's in.
1: Distress. So, I, I deal with homeowners that are in distress, so they're going through foreclosure, divorce, bankruptcy. So hard, I'm like, listen, 30 years ago, we did not have the internet, we did not even have pagers yet like, not even pagers. <laughs> we had to, I had to physically. Drive to the courthouse, handwrite all the addresses of all the foreclosures, uh, look at them in this map book, and drive myself in and out of these neighborhoods. And I did it with my daughter, like every day in the car, listening to Disney sing-along tapes every day. And we were in uh, Fort Lauderdale, so we'd go to the beach for lunch and pack a little lunch. And she literally, that child has literally knocked on thousands of doors. And I just started doing deals and wholesaling. And then that's when the real estate groups start. Like when I first started, there weren't even these RIA real estate meetup groups. There weren't groups like that. Like I remember the very first one reading in the paper, like, Hey, there's going to be a real estate meeting for real estate investors. I'm going to go see what that's about. And there was only me and one other girl. And it was like 80 men.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: And so then I was like, wow. Okay. Look at all these people. They say that they're investors. They all live down here in South Florida. So this is amazing. I'm going to have all kinds of people to work with. But then, you know, it's like the boys club. Yes. And here I am. I'm like, young And, you know, I've still got my permed hair and, you know, blonde. Just like, you know, they're like, oh yeah, sure. You know, like no one took me serious. But then I started cranking out deals, cranking out deals, cranking out deals. And then pretty soon people were like, hey, I want to work with
0: you. You are doing something. Yes. Yeah, so you would <laughs> go find people that were in distress. Yep. And knock on their door and say, hey, you want to sell? Yep, just like that.
1: Knock on their door. And basically, I would say, I, you know, I see you're going through this or this or this or this. And I specialize in helping people like you solve their problems. And I just want to know what I can do to help you out. And people, I think, you know, honestly, I, I think having a baby on my hip, <laughs> a lot of people are like, oh, look at her. She's like out there. She's door knocking. She's got a baby with her. And she's just out there. And I think a lot of people worked with me because I had my daughter and, and also when I did go door knocking um, more often it was a woman than a man and many of the women were going through a divorce as was I so there was that sort of you know man-hating connection that we all had there for a bit <laughs> I was like oh I know dogs men they're all dogs and so I just all that stuff combined um, people just they worked with me just left and right and I said, you know I was Teaching and training, and then I was offered to write a couple books or two bestsellers, and I don't know, just like it, just crazy thing happened.
0: Yeah, that's so. Well, it's not crazy. You actually worked. I mean, most people are not willing to do the work, so it's it's really not rocket science. It's actually doing the work, and I think that people really need to hear that, right? People will say the same. Oh, have you done all these things? It's like I put in the work. I'm usually the first one at the office, and I many times was the last one to leave, and I would work. Yeah, I did things that were hard. Sometimes so I don't, didn't have to always be so hard, you know? Um, yeah, and exactly. And, you know, in the
1: very, very beginning, the reason I, and people were like, well, why did you start off rehabbing? Well, I was going to all these, um, business back in the day, in the, in the, like, at 1990, if you wanted to find a job, you had to look in that classified section of the newspaper. So these places say a job interview at noon, and like hundreds of people show up. And a lot of it was multi-level marketing. But I started seeing some of the same faces and so, you know, I chat with everybody and you know, I'm talkative and so inside these, I meet these people, they go, oh, we buy houses and we fix them up and we sell them. And I thought, well, okay, that can't be that hard. I can do that. <laughs> no idea. I had no idea what I was doing. So I couldn't afford to like live here and, and fix the house up over here. So I actually moved into my, for like the, until she started kindergarten, I would move into the, these destroyed houses. And I would rehab them, but mostly by myself with my daughter with me. then we'd sell it, and we'd move, and we'd sell it, and we'd move. And then when she started kindergarten, I was living in a rehab that was in Boca Raton, Florida. And I thought, okay, Boca's a nice place. It's a good place to raise my daughter. And I have a little money now. I'm doing okay. And so we, so I literally lit, like walk the walk and lit. I would live in these houses, fix them, and she'd be with me. And I'd let her paint on the walls. And I'd let her. know write and draw she was always in a drawing just you know all over the house until till the day it's like okay honey mommy has to paint over everything do not write on the walls after today (laughs) it's the last day and so i lived and moved around these houses for five years
0: wow i mean i did
1: the work like when that child was asleep i was working painting rehabbing putting in toilets putting in sinks. like i was working all the time
0: yeah you have the drive you're very very driven yeah so that's, you, you had to, you had no other choice when you take care of your daughter and take, you know, you you're homeless. And wow, that isn't. Yeah. And,
1: and, and yeah, and that was there. Like my, my dad, my family, they're from Ohio. You know, God bless them. They were like, oh, listen, you know your ex is in jail. Why don't you move back to Ohio? And and they said, you could have your old bedroom and you could put up a crib in there. You can live in your old bedroom back in the country in Ohio. And then, you know, see how things go. And I remember thinking like, moving back home with my tail tucked and my daughter, or like maybe I could just swim out in the ocean and like pray a shark would eat me. (laughs) I felt like those were equally choices at that point. I thought, you know what, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to go back. I left Ohio because you know, I I didn't like the weather and the cold and all the things. And I thought, no, I'm just, this is my time.
0: I'm going to step up and if I don't make it, I can get a job. Your story's been so amazing. So just just since I want to make sure I get a couple of these in, If he, I know you have a podcast. If people want to reach out to you and you teach people how to invest, or you teach people how I to do. Work, or where can they get in touch with you at?
1: So they can listen to my podcast. So I did a play on my name because my name's Duan. So it's called The Most Wonderful Real Estate Podcast Ever. And then my website is dwanderful.com. So D-W-A-N-D-E-R-F-U-L. Yep wonderful.com and people can go over there and i've got ebooks and um i do webinars and training and teaching and and i have uh, luckily i've been very blessed i've made tons of millionaires so i'm super excited about that aspect of it too
0: yeah that's awesome so tell me what's different from when you started back in the day when you were doing all the hard stuff so what's different now when it, somebody wants to do to do it what you teach
1: Well, the main thing is, is all the technology that we have at our fingertips. I mean, you know, like you and I were talking about, I mean, you can just video someone on your phone and just there you are. And just um, my biggest thing I was the most excited about was when GPS came out. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever seen those. They're those really giant map books, And like you're on page
0: 24 and you have to like go to page 80 and find the rest of the neighborhood. I spent so many years Thomas guide, the Tom, so as a realtor imagine showing 23 houses in a day for Thomas guy you had to it took me three hours just to map out the 23 yes. houses write everything down hand for head it was a nightmare yes. as soon as google maps came or MapQuest, I was like thank you god oh no I went back that jarman that very first thing that came out I was like oh
1: thank you Jesus got that thing in my car and at the time it was like three or four hundred bucks I was like this is the best day <laughs> My life. <laughs> yes, so true. I, I was there. I was exactly. That. Oh, and I, you know, and I meet so many people now. You know, they're younger, and they're just like, oh, I don't know, it's so hard. And I'm like, listen, I had nothing that you have today. You cannot tell me that it's hard. You can find all the homeowners, everyone that's in trouble is is at the is online at the courthouse, the foreclosures, the divorces, the probates, um, people going that evictions, like it's all. At your fingertips, you can just download and print it out, and you can look at these houses on Google Maps. You can look at every single house. So, for someone to get a list,
0: I don't think they have that where we are for, for the courthouse, where you can just go and download a list. You have to pay for something like real property radar or. Real Property Reports or Coal Realty Resource. Those are pieces, places you can buy data from, but it's not free. But maybe I'm wrong. Mm, Most,
1: well, the thing is when something, any kind of a lawsuit, so like a foreclosure is called a list pendant. So it's it's a law, it's a notice of action. So all the lawsuits have to actually be publicly posted somewhere for six weeks. That's like part of the process. So the probates, the divorces, just lawsuit, adoptions, like anything, Has to be publicly posted. Now, some areas, um, the courthouse does not allow you to go online, but you can go in person and get it for free. But there are other areas, some of the services you just mentioned, there are some services that go and gather the information and then sell it to you.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. So
1: when that, so when that first became available to me, there was a company in South Florida and they went and got the information. And I was like, Oh my Lord, I can just pay for it. And you know, and back then it was like 150 bucks a month, which isn't really a lot of money, but like 25 years ago, that was still quite a bit of money. Yeah. I was like, Hey, I don't have to go to the courthouse. I don't have to drag Ayla with me. I don't have to write all that stuff down. So I, I, that was one of the first things that when it became available, I paid for immediately. Mm -hmm. But at the courthouse are the foreclosures, the divorces, and, you know, most couples um, qualify for a house together. And then one income leaves, one income can't afford the house. So many, many, many divorces happen right before the foreclosure. The foreclosure is caused by the divorce. Then probate, when people pass away, that's at the courthouse. Um, Landlords who have done evictions, that's at the courthouse. And at the federal courthouse are all the bankruptcies. Mm -hmm. And 75% of the people that file a bankruptcy file the bankruptcy to stop the foreclosure sale of their home. They're not ready to sell. So they file bankruptcy. They buy themselves a little bit of time. And people don't know that. I'm like, listen, that stuff's all free. It's right there. So it's not
0: even like you have to look for people. They're just right there listed for you. What's the best source that, you? I'm sure you know this, like what's the, the biggest bang for your buck, the cheapest, that gives you the most information, the most amount of information of these softwares that you can, like property radar, or, you know, which one would you say is the best? Oh, gosh, I don't know. We use,
1: I mean, everything in Colorado and, and Iowa, where we work, everything is just is at the courthouse. Like every single solitary thing is at the courthouse. So I have not used an actual service like that for, for many, many years. Because we just buy in, we personally buy in the two states. Um, But I'll tell you a really good source is landlords who have just completed evictions. There's someone that has just evicted a tenant and they're all mad at their house. They're always like, that house has been nothing but problems. That's the third person I've evicted. And they're all mad at their house. And it never even dawns on them that they just might not be a good landlord. Mm, and yes. I had a guy one day, I got a, so I mailed a postcard to a bunch of landlords who had just completed evictions. And this guy, John, calls me. He goes, today is your lucky day. I was like, okay. Because you, know, you don't know what anyone's going to yeah, say on the yeah. phone. <laughs> He's like, well, I just did an eviction and today's my 60th birthday. And I told myself the day I turned 60, I was going to sell all my rentals. I'm going to move to Colorado. I'm going to ski every single day for the rest of my life. And today's my birthday. I also just evicted some tennis and I got your big giant yellow postcard. So I'm calling you so you can have everything. And I was thinking, is this guy joking? Like, who is this guy? Anyway, the long and short of it, he had 125 rentals. He'd been buying them his whole life. And he goes, I told myself, whoever reached out to me on my 60th birthday, I was going to give them everything. So this man only made me give him a $3,000 deposit and all 125 houses were tied up. I could sell them singles, doubles, triple, however I wanted to sell them. He didn't really care how much time it was. And he had a secretary left there to finish up his affairs and he literally moved to Colorado and started
0: skiing. That's awesome. From right. a postcard. And I was
1: like, so my first thing was like, oh my gosh, yay. But then my second thought was, that's 125 houses. What am I going to do with that? <laughs> so like fierce that in just for a second, I thought, no, I know what I'll do. I'll put them in like groups of five and groups of 10 and I'll sell them to all the investors and, you know, the tri-county area and I'll just get rid of them as quickly as I can.
0: Good for you. You're definitely an out-of-the-box thinker. So, okay. So tell me some other, str- I love the strategy about the uh, tenants that just got, landlords just evicted their tenant. That's, that's fabulous. Uh, what a great person to go after. And so what do you say to these people? Like, what, what if you were coaching someone now that wanted to go after this type of deal, first, give us some pointers of what you would tell them to do.
1: Well, so the first thing that I actually, because I have a few scripts that my students use, and we just straight out say what we are. Like, you know, hey, my name is I'm, Swan. I'm actually a full-time real estate investor. I specialize in helping landlords just like you who have been evicting tenants. And maybe you're just tired of being a landlord. Um, is You know, I, I'm open to buying any of the rentals that you want to get rid of. But if you're looking for more, I can help you find more. So, because some people just evict a tenant and they're like, ah, but they don't care. They, you know, off they go. They're going to keep buying more. So I'm like, hey, listen, just because they evicted a tenant doesn't mean they hate being a landlord. They might just be like, ah, that one tenant was a POS. I'm going to get a better tenant next time. But I want to buy 10 more rentals. So just because they evicted doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to be Um, a great buyer to buy your deals, wholesale your deals to, because, you know, if you get a buyer's list with, with 10 landlords and they want 10 rentals a year, think how many deals that is
0: for you to sell just to these people on that little buyer's list of yours. So then as far as far like inventory, as you know, inventory is definitely a struggle for most people. People want listings. What would your advice be? And, and how tangible is it? I mean, how much work do you think somebody needs to, to do, like, to, to realistically start? So, first of all, who would you tell them to go after?
1: Well, you know what? One of the best things that has worked, this is something I've done for, I don't even know, for 20 years, is, you know those uh, bandit signs that you see out, the yellow, the signs that say, we buy houses cash? Yes. Okay. So way back in the day, we would put them in people on telephone poles and on the street corners, and then like the city calls you up, you can't put the signs there. So I don't know, like seven or eight years ago, my husband and I were out and I said, you know, we were driving this air because we were driving neighborhoods to see where we wanted to buy some rentals. And I said, there's a lot of properties that are vacant. Why don't we put these signs on the yards of the vacant houses? Because it's private property. So no one's going to make you take it down. Unless the bank would actually send someone to the neighborhood, to the house, to make sure there's not a sign in the yard. So we started putting these bandit signs in the yards of vacant houses. So all of a sudden, so here's what happens. You're you're going through like some area and maybe there's 10 vacant houses in the neighborhood. So all of a sudden, one day, 10 I buy houses cash signs pop into the neighborhood and immediately everyone says, wow. Those people must've just come in and they bought up the neighborhood. They're clearly the experts. just like you were talking about being the expert because they see signs everywhere. So they assume like, you know how you say reality is, you know, whatever, what was it? The perception is reality. Perception is reality, yeah. And I tell my students the same thing. Like, well, what if I put out 10 signs? What do I say? I say, listen, it doesn't matter what you're gonna say. The fact that people are gonna call you, the perception is a reality. When you put out 10 signs in any given neighborhood, people around think that this giant company swooped in and bought these houses up and anyone that's in trouble themselves, they're going to think like, Hey, well, I see these signs. These people must be the experts. They have signs everywhere. They must have money. They bought everything. I'm going to call them. <laughs> so, when,
0: so when you do these wholesale loans, you're basically finding the person who's in distress and then yeah. selling it to an investor and yeah. like a rehab or a landlord. Okay. And so you're like, you're going into contract and then you're putting their name on after you. So I'm going into contract with the homeowner and then,
1: uh, based on the state and what's happening, I'm either using an assignment of contract to sell it to a landlord or a rehabber, or I'm doing a second contract from me to say a rehabber, for example. So I get it from the homeowner to me. I have a contract. I do a second contract from me to the rehabber. Um, cause you know, I have an interest in this kind con- of, you know, I, so I don't have to be a real estate agent to do this because I signed the contract w- with myself or my company, which gives me a legal interest in the property. And then I have the right to sell my interest. So I sell it to a landlord or a rehabber. And then they're the ones that bring the money, they buy the house, they do whatever, fix it up, rent it out, whatever they're going to do. Now we do all of those things. We landlord, we rehab, we do all of that. But I always tell people, if you're like a new, new, new investor, the cheapest, easiest thing you can do is wholesale. Because you you get the house under contract with a homeowner, maybe they're in foreclosure. You give them a $10 deposit. Then you go over here and you say, okay, I got a rehabber that wants to buy this house. So you add on a fee, whatever your fee is, 10, 15, 20,000 bucks, add on your fee. And then the rehabber actually brings the money. And then the title company will disperse the funds properly. So the bank gets paid, everybody gets paid. You get paid, everybody gets paid. And you don't have to bring your own money. That's, so that's
0: a good idea. So, I, you would think of it right now, people wouldn't want to, like, you would think because there's, it, the market is so hot and it's, things are just flying off the shelf that people would be like, I'm not going to sell my house. Now. I'm going to try to get the most I can for it. And the thing is, and that's, I get
1: that question a lot, especially when I do a live workshop. That's probably the number one point that people make to me. I say, well, you got to remember the person that wants to sell their house because they want to sell their house doesn't have the same mindset of the person that's losing their house in foreclosure. They're going through a divorce. Somebody died. They don't want to be at the house anymore. Their mindset is so different. They don't really think that way. They're more like, oh, I wish God would just send me somebody to help me. So their mindset is so different. And so, I mean, all of my students, we're flipping houses like crazy people right now. And none of the people that we're dealing with want thought to like list their house for the top value because their mind is someplace else. They're in distress and they just want to get out as quickly and as they possibly can without having a bunch of people tracing through their house. And they just want to get out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's just a different mindset.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So because my right now my brain Duane is thinking, okay, how do I teach my students to secure more listings with what's going on in the area, right? But you know, I'm going to
1: tell you something. Anytime I meet a homeowner, and this is part of like my whole my whole philosophy is like we always do what's right for the homeowner, yes. even if we don't make any money. Sometimes we Absolutely. do a free deal because that's what's right. So if I came across a homeowner and they had like a $300,000 house and they only owed like $175, I would say, listen, sell so, it. You oh, need to list your house. Yes. Your house needs a bunch of repairs, so you need to not list it for three hundred. You need to list it for like two fifty, and you need to sell it really quickly. And you need to keep all the money. You don't need me, like you really don't need me right now. But you, but but then I say, but don't let a real estate agent talk you into top 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 dollar because your house needs all this work. You need to sell it super quickly. So I think you should sell your house this much on the market. It'll be gone in like two days, and a lot of people do that. So I don't make any money when I do that, but that's
0: the right thing to do. Absolutely. always, always lead with that uh, by doing the right thing. We, I couldn't agree with you more. Well, and, and then other people say, yeah, but how do you find a homeowner that owes 50% of their value?
1: So, and it's all, it's just all like you were talking about earlier. It's about mindset. But it, understanding the homeowner's mindset is so different than an, a regular end user or end buyer. So this person, uh, some people have not made a mortgage payment for 15, and not, not with COVID, pre-COVID. Some people have not made a mortgage payment for 15 or 18 months. They call the bank, they work out a payment plan, they make a few payments, they don't make the payment. The bank puts them in foreclosure again. And so some people literally haven't made a mortgage payment for a year and a half. And so subconsciously, they honest to God, think the bank won't actually take their house.
0: Because it's been so long, yeah. It's been
1: so long. Now COVID's different because now you've been 15, 16, 18 months and people aren't making mortgage payments, but they're going to have to start. And a lot of people are not going to be able to uh, qualify for a loan modification or qualify for a forbearance agreement, not going to be able to qualify for the things that the government's going to offer. So a lot of people are going to end up in foreclosure, really from no fault of their own.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But in the normal day of life, whether you're in a pandemic or not, there are still people getting divorced, still people going to bankruptcy, people still dying, all the things, people still losing jobs, like all those regular things still happen. So. It is not uncommon to find a homeowner with a whopping amount of equity. And they're just like, no, Juan, you know, I just, I don't think the bank will, they, they won't really take my house. And then they get a notification like, hey, your sale, your house is going to sale in seven days. And they call and say, oh my God, they're really selling my house in seven days. What do I do? It's like, well, good thing you met me because I can close in three. So let's get that deal and let's get it wrapped up. And that's another thing for investors is, is you, you've got to have a good title company, an escrow company that can close in two to three days. Because so many people wait till the last minute because they really don't believe it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Man. And it's
1: too late. It's too late to list. It's too late to offer them any other advice. It's like, well, your only option right now is sell to me or or pack.
0: <laughs> what you're saying is so true because i when the, when the market crashed i worked for like 13 different asset management companies and banks i worked for head wells fargo green river green river capital Wachovia, yep. world savings i worked for all of them right right freddie, uh, freddie mac and we sold their our their foreclosures and it was horrible i mean my my, my best year in the industry we had 169 foreclosures and i was you'd think that people would learn and they would let their house foreclose but yep. or they they would do a short sale beforehand, but so many of them just didn't because of lack of education and lack of knowledge and just lack of like, they didn't think it was going to happen, right? And was yep. to get this notice. And
1: so I'm going to share a fun fact that I know you don't know. So way back in the nineties, I was wholesome. So I was wholesaling. So I, I rehabbed houses until I discovered wholesaling. So I'm wholesaling like crazy woman. And I started finding deals that were tighter and tighter and tighter. So I started to call the bank and say, hey, can you knock a little bit of money off this deal? And just without even like, no shorting. Calling sales. me back. They take off, you know, a couple thousand here, a couple thousand there. But they were calling it short sales, discounting it, shorting it. They were calling it all these different names. It didn't have like an actual name yet. So I actually trademarked the term short sales. As really? it applies to real- Yes, I did. As it applies to real estate investing, and then I trademarked the Queen of Short Sales. <laughs> and the very mom. first home study program that was made for investors, I wrote it. So I wrote it, copy wrote it, the whole
0: thing. And so I was at the very beginning of the short sale industry. So, you know, uh, who uh, CDPE, right? Uh Yeah. So the owner of the founder of that, of CDPE, he actually is in my inner circle with me. Um, And he's the one that, you know, he was all over the news and everywhere else. doing.
1: doing So I was on the news, Fox and MSNBC, the book I wrote, the company called me and said, hey, we hear, you know, you're the short sale queens. So I wrote a book called Short Sale Pre-Foreclosure Investing. I, I think in like 2008 or nine, like right when all that was happening. And oh my gosh, we did a jillion short sales. Wow. So I think that's going to come back right now because so many people are not making mortgage payments. And the bank is not just going to take all the payments on the, and throw them on the back. People are going to have yeah. to show that they have a job and they're going to have to qualify. And when they don't, I feel like there's going to be so many houses at one time the bank's going to have to go back and start doing short sales again.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I, I just sold a ton of my, my own personal investments because I feel like the market's going to end up 10, 20% decrease over the next 16, 12, 18 months. Something like that is kind of like- Yeah, I think head so head. too. I think, think it's
1: like it's like on us. It's right. We're on it right now. This is happening right now.
0: Yeah. Not like 2005, six, not, not that bad, not 2008 bad, but you know, I, I think 10 to 20% we're going to probably see a decline because there something has got to give with all of these. I mean, it's crazy to people who don't want to work because of the, all the money, the stimulus checks. People don't even, it's like, people don't even want to work now. Right. But all of a sudden, yeah, they don't want to work. It's just, it's insane to me, man. This has been great. Um, <laughs> I, I, how do people find out about how do they, somebody wants to wholesale and don't when we end don't hang up. I still want to talk to you but how okay. does somebody go about getting in touch with you.
1: Well, they can go to wonderful.com and all my programs are there. I have a wholesale program, a short sale program, a rental program, a Subject 2s. I love Subject 2s. We do a lot of wraparound mortgages. So I have Subject 2s and I just, I don't know, over the last 25 years, I've just written a ton of programs. <laughs>
0: awesome. So you teach people how to, how to do all this? On, on- yeah,
1: because I love to teach. I love to help homeowners. I love to help students and, you know, people are like, hey, I made a million bucks last year. Here's a copy. And I'm just like, Yay!
0: Good for you. Oh, good, good. Well, you have been so much fun. I've really enjoyed myself talking to you. I have um, too, Krista. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. You know, I just—you're so awesome. So are you? Tell them about your podcast. So, where, what's your podcast called? Are you wanting a kickstart on your business? And you want to learn how to be the go-to professional in your industry? Well, guess what? I've got a free challenge for you. It's five days of coaching. It's brand new. Just go to kristamayshore.com slash clientconversion. That's kristamayshore.com slash clientconversion. And you'll get a free training with me for five straight days. That's going to help kickstart you as the go-to professional in your industry. So sign up and I'll see you there.
1: So my podcast is called The Most Wonderful Real Estate Podcast Ever. The Most and Wonderful Real Estate Podcast, podcast ever. ever. The most, yeah. So when I was trying to think of names, I was talking to one of my, the guys that works on my website, he goes, you should just do wonderful. Like make that the name of your podcast. Like, seriously? I thought, well, you know what? Why not? You know, oh, it's crazy being here. Do something different because everyone's show is, you know, number one in real estate. There's, there's so many, like, I like yours fired up. It's like, it's a different name. Yeah. So I thought, I'm just going to play on my name and that's just going to be my, my that's going to be my spiel. So it's called the most wonderful real estate podcast ever. And we do 10
0: episodes a month. And you are definitely wonderful. I have to tell you that. So oh, thanks. <laughs> I every podcast the same. If you had one piece of advice, either professional or, or, or business or whatever it might be, what would that be? You know, it's everyone always asks me that. And I
1: usually like give some kind of real estate investing tip. But the tip I've been giving recently, which is something you and I talked about, is that I feel like if anyone could just have one solid thing, that would be to get the right voice in your head, like the voice of someone like me, if you want to be an investor, someone like you, if you want to be a real estate agent, not the voice of the friends and family that say, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it. Because when you hear all these people say you can't do it, then you actually don't. So you have to get rid of your naysayers, you have to block them out and you have to find someone that you feel like you like and you trust and you honestly think they're they're the best for you. And you have to get that person's head in your voice, whether it's podcasting or listening to CDs or on your phone or whatever, Spotify, just have that person's voice rolling in your head all the time because that person, someone like you and like me, we will tell them they can
0: do it. And not only can they, we'll show them how. Ah, I love it, Duan. Thank you so much. For, I really enjoyed this. <laughs> thank you. She's in a pod? Um, we, you've, I know you got my cell phones, so but make sure you we, you actually call me. And I just appreciate you so much. Well, I appreciate too, and thank you guys, everyone, for listening. Follow this lady. She is so super smart too. Ah, yeah, I love you. Okay, everyone, have a great day. Remember, implementation is is the key. Learning is not the power. It's actually in the implementation. And as always, thank you so much for spending a little bit part of your day with me. I appreciate you all.